everyone, and welcome to the Ear Drunk Podcast. Uh, my name is Zach Webb, and with me, as always, is Marshall Brook. Hi ho, Silver! No way! We go for this amazing episode, guys. I'm super excited for this one. Uh, me and Marshall have been uh, geeking out about how how weird and indie this is gonna be. Uh, it's a bizarre one, y'all. Uh, but Marshall, a uh, quick question for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, how much for a dance? How much for a dance? Well. Uh, there's a lot of factors yeah. in that. It depends how uh, how busy my house is at this point in time. Uh, yeah. It depends on uh, whether the guy who holds my cash is here or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it depends on how pretty I'm feeling. Because sometimes I just want to get up and dance for free. Wow. You know what I mean? I bet uh, you're popular. Yeah, I mean, when I look good. Yeah, sure. Yeah, when I'm uh, four days into a uh, crack binge and uh, <laughs> I've got... I'm just got, feeling good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Woo. I have a question. Yeah. Uh, as if you're a stripper, what's your like getup? I think that I am probably a uh, uh, wearing one of those like navy sailor boy costumes. Oh, nice! Um, yeah. And my name is uh, Corporal Fletch Leviathan. Oh, damn! You come up with that on the spot? Yeah, and you got to figure out uh, what's big. <laughs> yeah, the Fletch or the Leviathan. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, Corporal Corporal Fletch Leviathan reporting for duty. I think I'd be sexy IT guy. <laughs> I mean, that's very on character for you. Yeah, because uh, I like that because you don't need to buy any costume parts. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> no, no, no. So I think you just wear glasses. Yeah, right. And then you t- you go to Home Depot and you buy a little plug and an outlet, uh-huh. and then you're just like taking it out and then putting it back in. Oh, yeah. Okay, you can also. Get one of those little just switches and just switch it on and off. Oh, yeah. Same effect. Same, same effect. effect. Yeah. Probably a little more expensive, honestly. Yeah, and I think the first one's more phallic. Uh, yeah. 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 Which I don't know, depending on the type of establishment it is, uh, they might prefer or not prefer that. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> folks, as you guys have guessed, this is a music discovery and comedy <laughs> podcast where each week Marshall and I take a selected theme and we cater a playlist of music based around that theme. Uh, this week's theme is uh, Wes Anderson's Gentleman's Club, uh, which is going to be a very you know sultry episode. I'm excited for this one. Uh, but before we get into our main segment, uh, usually we do a segment before and after. And uh, Marshall, you're going to lead off this first segment, right? Yeah. So uh, uh, leading into this, uh, I think it's important that people kind of know the context for like who you are, Zach, and and uh, who I am. Yeah. Well, and in almost every social situation, you. You're the guy who knows everything about every movie and every actor in every movie. Yeah. You're the guy you're the guy who's just like a walking IMDB wiki. Yeah. It's always weird to be honest. I don't honest. think there's an IMDB wiki. I think I said that weird. But. Yeah. To be honest, there's sometimes where there's a different guy that does that at yeah. that party. And yeah. then I feel very intimidated. Yeah, and do then, you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's the, crazy because I feel like you would just want to walk over and flex. I yeah. feel like you I feel like that's the time that you're the alpha male. I feel like the only time you see Zach like with veins popping out of his forehead is yeah. when some other dude is like Oh, yeah, did you see that new Tarantino movie? Lots of feet. Yeah, and then I'm like, yeah, they're important for the story and character development, you simpleton. Uh, Uh, But so with that in mind, (laughs) I prepared a little segment called Wes Ander Who? 
Yeah. Um, and so in this movie, or in this movie, in this segment, it's really pretty straightforward. Um, I'm going to say an actor. Yeah. And I'm going to ask if they were in a specific Wes Anderson movie. Okay. And you got to tell me. All right. Yeah. If they were in it. Yeah. I think I. I think what's what's weird about this is I. I feel like there's a there's a false uh, sort of uh, uh, confidence I have right now where I'm like, oh yeah, I'll get this. But then also he does so many ensemble casts. You know, where it's like a, a very well-known actor will play a two-bit part in mm-hmm. like a in one of these movies, and because we recently watched uh, French Dispatch, yeah, uh, two nights ago, yeah, and it's just there's so many characters in that movie that are maybe in one scene, right? You but know? they're actors that you know, yeah, some of them, some of them, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in that movie, there was also a lot of just like French people, yeah. So. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, uh, to get started. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see if your confidence was a little over or underblown here. Yeah. Was Gene Hackman in the Royal Tenenbaums? Yes, he is. He plays Royal Tenenbaum. Yes, he's the star! <laughs> Great job, Zach. One point for you. Oh, All right. Next up, is Bill Murray in the Life Aquatic? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's... he's... <laughs> He's Steve Zissou, yeah. Yes, he's the star! <laughs> so what do you think so far? I, I think uh, I think there's going to be a turn coming. <laughs> Was Martin Ballard in Fantastic Mr. Fox? Uh, yes. Yes, he's the star! In fact, it's his only IMDb credit. Wow. He played the fire chief. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> You know they like you know recorded the the like the ADR like on a farm. Really? Yeah. So that's probably just some farmer. Here I am flexing again. So that's just some farmer. <laughs> God, what a douche! Bitch. Yeah, what a fucking douche. Okay, so Let's uh, leave this party. Uh, uh, next one. Mm-hmm. Next one. Yeah. I don't know if you got this one, Zach. Yeah. Was Nicholas Pacciani in the French Dispatch? Uh, I'm gonna say no. Yes, he's a star. Oh, he so he yes he is in the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, you're wrong. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, he's in the movie. No, you're wrong. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 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 do you know any other movies that he's been in? No. You don't know. You don't know uh, Nicholas Pacciani. The name kind of sounds familiar. Well, you're wrong. It's his only credit. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, Zach. Yeah. I kind of sent you through the ringer here. Yeah, for sure, for I sure. Kinda, I kind of, I kind of threw some curveballs at yeah, you. Yeah, I'm three for one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Three out of four. Okay, that's pretty good odds, I guess, if you're taking a test or something. Yeah, sure. I'm a, I'm a great C student. But this next one. Yeah. Was John Taffer in the movie Rushmore? Was John Taffer in Rushmore? Was John Taffer of acclaimed bar rescue fame in the movie Rushmore? I'm trying to think where John Taffer was during this filming, right? Because it's like. Was John Taffer acclaimed host of bar rescue? I'm going to say no. In Wes Anderson? Of course not. He's not oh, an actor. Cool. <laughs> you never know, though, Marshall. He could have been a bit part, like in the background extra. I don't think John Taffer's ever heard of Wes Anderson. <laughs> no, I'm sure. They're, those movies are way too sensitive for him. He would be like, this fucking sucks. You're going to kill someone. People freaking suck. 
And that was our segment, Wes Sander Who. Is this how you normally run a hotel? <laughs> Sir, I don't run the hotel. I just work the desk. <laughs> uh, is that, did I win? Uh, yeah, yeah, you won, dude. You got four out of five. Oh, fuck four yes. out of five. That's uh, that's That might be your best showing in one of our quizzes. I, don't I think, think so, yeah. Usually when solid. it's about movies, I kind of... The, the John Taffer one threw me for a loop because <laughs> it was such a strange pull. That was my goal there. It's one of those answers. Like, do you remember taking tests as a kid and like you would you would answer a question way too quickly? Yeah. And then you would just look at it and go, fuck, though, is it, though? You're like, after all of this bullshit, Marshall gave me the two biggest softballs on the planet. And then he gave me two no names who mean nothing to me. Yeah. And now he's throwing John Taffer at me. Yeah. It could mean anything. It's like, it's like, because with John Taffer as the pool, it could be that I I found him on IMDb and I was like, oh, Zach's never going to think this is real. Yeah. Um, Well, it's it's one of those things also where I'm just like, okay, Rushmore is still early in his career, right? mm -hmm. To where he's like, not like a big, big name yet, you know? Um, Mostly I mean, just working with the Wilson bros. Yeah, his budget was so like limited on that movie that like uh, Bill Murray, who was in it, had to pay for uh, the scene with the helicopter. Like he paid oh, really? for the helicopter for that. I didn't scene. know that. Yeah, uh, but it it uh, like pretty much just barely paying anybody, you know, like mm. uh, to make this movie. Uh, <laughs> But, like, so part of me was thinking, like, okay, so if it's early enough in Wes Anderson's career that no one knows, like, what a Wes Anderson movie is, and it's pre-Bar Rescue John Taffer, who's, like, (laughs) trying to get into the TV game. Trying to to get a show, trying to just get any screen time he can. Yeah, like, maybe he's a background extra, and Marshall found the weirdest fucking trivia. At this point, John Taffer's just a successful restaurateur. He hasn't branched out into... Yeah. No, his, uh, his, like, main thing that made him a shitload of money was like the uh the the prepackaged NFL packages. Really? Yeah, I, I did uh, some like research on John Taffer at one point. That you makes know. sense. Yeah, and uh yeah, he was like one of the partner deals uh to like getting cable packages for sports programs. Well, that explains why he just looks and acts like such a schlub all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and he knows how to make a deal. Uh <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that is that's the end of our first segment. But Marshall, um, once again, mess this up again. Yeah. Uh, beer of the day. Forgot. Oh my god, dude! We do this like every week, and oh, yeah. for some reason, the past like three or four weeks, for some reason, we've been struggling doing this one on time. Yeah. Yeah. It's been weird. It's bizarre. Yeah. yeah. It's bizarre. I, I think it's because we don't have uh, a theme song for it yet. Uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. So if anybody is listening who who writes music, if you want to send us in something, we'll play it. Send us a theme song, and and in the meantime, maybe probably not anytime soon. But if we don't have one in like three months, then uh, I'll put that lo-fi song with the voicemail that my cousin got. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, Marshall. What are you What are you drinking uh, today, folks? We went back to the classics, back to the basics, back to what this show's foundation is really built on. Yeah. And we're doing it big time, because I got me a 32-ounce cherry red can of Budweiser. Hey. Because here at Ear Drunk, we support the social causes that Anheuser-Busch apparently also supports. Yeah. Um, I, I Here's the thing. I drank a lot of Bud Light this weekend. I didn't want to. I don't like Bud Light, but I do like... <laughs> 
the fact that they're uh, you know supporting uh, a good cause. Yeah, and and like honestly, it's like whenever ever some sort of corporation just kind of like supports a cause, it's I feel like they're cashing in on like oh, the sure. idea of like social change and other stuff like that. I mean, anyone who listens to this show knows how I feel about corporations. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so for me, it's like becoming uh, it, like it seemed so gimmicky, but mm-hmm. also it's like with the amount of hatred that this person has received because of it it is buck wild to me exactly uh, it's like it's like i'm a big believer in in if if there's significant backlash against something that i do support like i'm obviously going to try and lean into those that also support it exactly and so, you, you know, know happy to have bought a very big budweiser today yeah giving them some of my money yep yep uh instead of giving it to kid rock because kid rock <laughs> just shoots all my money Kid Rock, yeah. I keep forgetting he's the face of that other. Oh my God! It's so like, like it, can you imagine Kid Rock being your hero? Can you imagine being like, oh, Kid Rock, that guy? Like, look at him. Yeah, Marshall, I have a pretty good imagination. You're my co-host. You've, yeah, you've been on this show. We spent you've... many a night just sitting in a completely black, blank, empty room, just talking about what we see in our heads. Zach. I mean, last week, yeah, like I talked about Jason Statham fighting the Yakuza with a frog. <laughs> I'm a very creative person. Incredibly. I cannot imagine Kid Rock being my hero. Like, right? You, isn't that just a ridiculous notion? All these people rallying around Kid Rock? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it makes no goddamn sense to me. It's but, just, you look at him and you know everything you need to know about the guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And let me be clear, I don't hate him, because it's like, I have a philosophy of, like, you can't hate people for hating people, because that makes you the people you hate, you know? So, I, I'm just very disappointed in, in, in Kidda for Rock. Well, and that's why you brought me- Rockefeller? Is that his full name? <laughs> Kidda for Rockefeller? That's, but, Zach, that mentality is exactly why you brought me on the podcast, because you need someone who's willing to just wallow in the muck of negative emotions. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and that's me. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, uh, whenever you <laughs> fall too far in the muck, I got to clean you up. Yeah. You, I gotta hose got to hose you down. He's, he's got a big old hose, and he throws some delousing powder on me, and then I tuck in for bed. Yeah. And I'm like, get you sleep. I'm like, oh, is it Thursday already? We got podcasts in the morning. <laughs> in the mo- oh, I can't wait. One day, man. Yeah. No, Marshall, we drink beer <laughs> for so? this show. Yeah, but if this is our job, <laughs> then that's fine to do at 11 a.m. Hey, Zach, what do you do for a uh, line of work? Yeah, well, I wake up around like 8 o'clock and crack a beer and talk shit for like an hour and a half. And then... Um, <laughs> Then go back to bed. Yeah, and then I had a beer at eight a.m., so I, I, I have to do. I have to rest a little bit before I start my day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm excited for today's episode, dude. I think it's gonna be a good one, Marshall. I'm super excited for this episode. But before we get started, uh, can you do me a favor, pal? Yeah. Can you can you do me a solid? Can mm-hmm. you just let the people at uh, home know exactly? That you know how we do this podcast from week to week consistently. You know? Zach, I will do you one better. Oh, okay, great. I'll let the people at home know. Yeah, but folks, if you're listening in the car right now, oh yeah, I'll let you know as well. Well, some people's cars are their homes. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I had such a mild response to that. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Um, so <laughs> that, people at home, people I in was their cars. For funny, it just ended sad. <laughs> I mean, I did guffaw greatly yeah. immediately after. But so it was people, it was more the pause that made us guffaw, really. That's true. It it really settled. <laughs> what you said really settled on us like a like a little sheet. Yeah. Um, 
So people in their homes, people in their cars, people listening on their earphones at the gym. I can't. I can't imagine this being a very good gym show. Yeah. Hey, if you listen at the gym, uh, tweet us at your drunk or send us a DM on Instagram at tweet your drunk. Us a selfie of you at the gym listening to this podcast oh, right now. We will describe it. <laughs> we will describe it to the masses. <laughs> um, but so, folks, whether you're at home or at the gym or in your car, uh, you 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 should know by now, but, but we keep getting hate mail about it, how this show works. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and break it down to you. We do it the exact same way every single week. Zero changes in the format. Mm-hmm. So this week, as always, uh, uh, Zach is going to describe the space of the Gentleman's Club, and then I will describe what is happening within that space. Because in a Wes Anderson movie, uh, the, the set and the pieces are as much a character as the characters. Absolutely. Um, and, and so just like every week, uh, Zach is setting up the, uh, the, the, the shot with the set, and then he's shooting it over to me for the alley-oop. And uh, uh, just like every single week, I will then describe what happens in this scene. And boom, that's the ball game, you know? <laughs> every week, folks, figure it out. Yeah. Goddamn. It's not that hard. <laughs> so, uh, Zach, where does our story begin? Well, Marshall... Uh, our story begins in the Chaffon Salé uh, Gentlemen's Club. Uh, it is an old firehouse that was decommissioned in 1951 because they were like, eh, we don't need to put any of these out. Uh, <laughs> the Chiffon Salé is a four-story building with exposed red brick, which contains a toxic chemical after the Bleach and Sulfur Festival of 1938, causing a strict enforcement of the anti-brick-licking policy throughout the neighborhood. Mm-hmm, and then it kind of mm-hmm. just shows, like, on the bricks, like, there's, like, a, a an X, you know... On over, each brick? You know, there's, like a, like, a sign with, like, a person trying to lick it, and with like, a, you know, big uh, X through it. It's like Tungi from Kung Pao. Yeah. <laughs> So there's just these signs that just have, like, an X'd out tongue over it. Um, the Chiffon Sele uh, stands approximately 14.35 uh, meters. Its shadow towers over the neighborhood, including the Museum of Sundials <laughs> and the Solar Power Calculator Depot. <laughs> the entrance is not actually the grand mahogany doors at, uh, at the front, but rather a bay window off to the right with a door handle. Mmm, how fancy. And as we enter, we hear our first song, You Don't Know My Name by The Kinks. I really love that song. Love the Kinks. Yeah, uh, man, the Kinks are great. They're there's uh they're an amazing band. I specifically love this era of the Kinks. Mm-hmm. Um when did I, this one come out? Uh I think in the late seventies. I think the album's called uh Everybody's in Show Business. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's uh it also has uh supersonic uh rocket chip on there. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Dope. And they're kind of in that era where it's like post their initial stuff, which has like, you know, crazy distortion and like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and 
and kind of like hone in other instruments, uh, you know, and kind of make it a big welcoming sound. Yeah. Uh, one thing I particularly really like about this is like the twin g- lead guitars, one of them being electric and one of them being acoustic and playing the same melody, which kind of creates like a weird sound. You yeah. Know? No. And I love I love uh, when you have that like. I hate using the word duality because I just use it too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you have when you have like the electric and the acoustic instruments like mm-hmm. mirroring each other, and you're getting the two like different tones, that's something that we've done a lot when we've recorded uh, uh, stuff. Is it's just like adding in that layer of acoustic or that layer of electric, whatever's the opposite of what you're doing. Um, yeah, um, just adds so much. It makes the sound so much bigger, and it gives mm-hmm. you so many different tonal like like opportunities. Especially how they mix it because they mm-hmm. put one on the left and one on the right channel, yeah. so it just kind of doesn't feel like it's lost at all right um, it's emphasized equally like on yeah. both sides uh and then uh i don't know like i always think like the kinks are just like a great like bar music you know just like drinking music like not like oh yeah we're gonna get like real fucked up tonight but more of like oh you walked into your favorite bar and you're just here you know maybe you're about halfway through a 32 ounce can of budweiser and yeah. your buddy turned on the song by the kinks and you're like oh man this is really a great way to start the podcast yeah exactly exactly <laughs> you know uh but and also the kinks are just a very big staple in wes anderson's uh like soundtracks like i would say there's been multiple movies where he uses the kinks songs mm-hmm. uh, one thing i really enjoyed when we were setting up for this playlist mm-hmm. um for this episode was was was, there was one day when we were commuting to work in the car and we were talking about like like oh like what uh what what are we gonna bring to the table like like, like talking about yeah. just like Wes Anderson vibes right and I right. immediately was like oh yeah I've been like listening to a bunch of big band and a bunch of jazz and a bunch of this and you're mm. like and I've been listening to a bunch of like 70s rock and a bunch yeah. of like you know and it's, it's like it's funny because it's like they're both so apropos mm-hmm. um, but they also like and so it's like I don't know I, I, I got a lot of enjoyment out of that conversation and I'm so excited to see just like how yeah. the rest of these songs play out yeah no I well and it's, it's it's such a weird thing because it's it's all these various like uh, music stylings, but whenever they're placed in that one particular moment in the movie, it always fits. It captures you know? the vibe, and, yeah. and that's one of the things I really like about his movies is is every single shot is so deliberate, mm-hmm. um, not only in just like the camera placement, but just like the set design and the costuming and everything. Oh, yeah. um, and the soundtrack is a part of that too. Yeah, like his whole movie, like all of his movies, um, are very much like like intensely leaning into just like those emotional reactions you get from all parts so whether it's the dialogue or whether it's the visuals or whether it's the audio Mm -hmm. it all really syncs up into a thing where you're almost like it's like you're you're the first time i watch one of his movies you're like borderline overstimulated right and it's like it's like you watch it again and i feel like every like uh, i saw moonrise kingdom in theaters Mm-hmm. And then uh, I remember watching it at home on Netflix like a couple years later and getting uh, a, a whole bunch of just like new stuff out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's just like it's like you're so bombarded in all of your senses that you're able to just like pick up new things all the time. I don't mm-hmm. know. Oh, yeah. No, uh, it's 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 why he's so good at what he does. You who's know? had half of a big beer and rambling a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. But let me let me tell you about this. Uh, the yeah, the yeah, main yeah. room, Marshall. So we've we've seen the out the exterior. But we've what's seen the, the inside. Ex- look like so the the inside everything is perfectly symmetrical uh it is a low lit red room uh with the walls covered in a collage of knickknacks and random debris like a bennigan's after a hurricane yeah so just a bennigan's uh there are poles throughout the entire um main room 
because mm-hmm. it was a formerly a firehouse. Uh, but all of the performers enter from these uh, holes <gasps> where the poles come through. So all the performers come down. To, uh, to do their, their okay. performance. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, but yeah, pretty much uh, uh, the, the there's a bar area to the back left uh, that only serves the finest of drinks. Uh, there's random like uh, sort of cigarette girls and other things to kind of give it that old timey vibe to it. Pretty much the only people that are inside this club other than the performers are these well-dressed gentlemen in 12 uh, in 12 piece suits. Okay. <laughs> Very intricate suits. They're, yeah. they're kind of like a Neil Neil Pert drum kit of a suit. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they all they all sit at the the tables with their legs crossed, and all of them drink their hot toddies in unison. Interesting. So that's that's when the club's in action. That's what that, that yeah, that's what's that's, happening. That's the day. The main they all room. they all sip at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty much the uh, the 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 main room, the first floor of the Chiffon Salaire. Hell yeah. Cool. Okay. So I'm over here. I'm over here rapidly taking notes about the room while Zach is describing it because I have had to write a story with no setting, um, <laughs> which is which is a very unique experience that I've never done before, even though we do our show the same way every week. That's right, Marshall. So uh, we're going to start mine immediately with the song. So uh, uh, we see this, this room. Mm-hmm. The lights are dim. Yeah. Uh, everything is in a monochrome, black and white. We see a very rotund Edward Norton slide down from one of the poles from the ceiling. <laughs> Yay. Standing Room in Heaven plays by That Handsome Devil. There's no more seats in heaven. So get your tickets in advance. Oh man, I love the bass in this song. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. I, I like there's that breakdown, uh like whenever the symbols kind of come in, uh-huh. but it's like this weird thing that it kind of reminds me of like breakbeat. Uh-huh. Uh cuz like the symbol itself is kind of cut in a way yeah. where it just doesn't sound like it would naturally like the resonance like kind of dissipates. It's almost like, like they're dropping a beat. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love man. that a lot. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, so uh uh, uh I think this song is incredibly dope. I think yeah. this song is incredibly sexy. Yeah. Um, and I imagine that all of the action in the upcoming scene I'm about to describe is like moving with these bass hits. Now, Every time that bass hits, like a hip flings yeah, or an elbow sure. pops, yeah. you know? Uh, one of the buttons on the 12 piece suits like <laughs> pops out. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a question. So is, yeah. it's Edward Norton, right? Yes. Is Edward Norton in drag or is it just. No, no, no. It, this is Edward Norton in a business suit um, and he's very rotund. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, right. He's very hefty. His face still looks skinny. Um, yeah. He's just a large man. He's not a performer. He's just. A... Uh, he slid down on the pole. Yes. So he is. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, the club is empty though yeah okay all gotcha. the lights are off yeah uh, there's no color uh, it's black and white right now right and he slides down the pole Ooh. now now there's a couple more things before we get into that though yeah uh, that i really do like about this song so so this song has that kind of muting on the trumpets i know we talked about it on mm-hmm. our car ride as well yeah that makes them sound for lack of a better term kind of quacky yeah you know boom 
Yeah, because uh, you a- you we listened to the song. Uh, not know I did not know yeah. that it was a playlist song. And then it you wasn't at to, the time. <laughs> yeah, and then you jump to a, a, a different song by the same guy, which is also great. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Elephant bones. That one's wild. Yeah. Um, this is the chorus of the song, and I really love the lyrics in the chorus. Right. It's like, uh, "There's no more seats in heaven. Uh, ain't no bleachers in the back. <laughs> it's only standing room in heaven." Where hell is waiting for your ass. Oh. <laughs> Always is. And so kind of bear that kind of like dark uh, idea kind of in the back where it's like mm-hmm. there's no more room in heaven for these folks. Yeah. So uh, Edward Norton, rotund Edward Norton, slides down this pole into the middle of the room. He's wearing a big old suit. Uh, he looks behind a couch or under some of the chairs or tables because there's not a couch in this room based on how you described it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and he's swinging his hips to the music. Yeah. Doom, doom. Uh, he removes his suit jacket and then undoes the belt on his pants and oh, pulls down shit. his pants, revealing that he's wearing a fancy dress underneath. Still dancing sensually, he suspiciously glances out of a window, making sure no one's there. He glides over to the, there's a bar, right? Yeah, he Mm. glides over to the bar, um, removing the dress to reveal a pair of overalls underneath. Ooh. And he's sitting there kind of looking behind the bar, kind of of just like checking everything out, still dancing to the music. Yeah. And then one by one, he unbuttons the buttons on his overall, and with a big old swish of his hips, the overalls come down. To reveal... A big tan trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> and so now he's in a big tan trench coat. Yeah. And he walks up to this painting mm-hmm. and he just looks at it. And he kind of lifts it up and looks behind it. And then he sets it back on the wall and kind of stares at it. Um, and then uh, 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 at this point, I like to think that like the, 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 the full song's in. There's horns. There's everything else going on. Yeah. Um, and he does a spin move. <laughs> where he uh, where he he like spins and lands on his back so he can just like look under the tables at eye level and it's just like he's clearly looking for something yeah you know and then uh, he does one of those spin kicks to like get back up on his feet mm-hmm. and while he does that he pulls a big old magnifying glass out of out of, <laughs> out of his pocket uh, from his trench coat <laughs> um, and he's investigating the bar again. <laughs> Um, and then finally, he unbuttons the buttons one by one on each of those bass hits. Hot. And he reveals a full police uniform. Oh, shit. His badge reads, Detective Traitor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he ruffles through some papers that are uh, over by the cash register on the bar um, until the doorbell suddenly rings, which... I don't know why there's a doorbell in the club until there's a knock on the on the on the the, the big glass window that's the door of the club. Um, he immediately starts reapplying his layers: trench coat back on, overalls back on, <laughs> dress back on over the edge, and he's barely getting the last suit, uh, the last button on his suit jacket put back on when the door opens and the room just like fills with color. Adrian Brody enters in a black suit with a black fedora. Hey, uh, Vinny, just in time to get ready for the Don's wedding, huh? Show thing, Vic. Can't believe the Don's finally settling down. Hey. <laughs> Vic responds simply, hey. <laughs> uh, they exit, they exit uh, uh, through the door out of this room. <laughs> and it cuts to black. <laughs> Hell yeah. Let me tell you about the second story, Marshall. 
And the best way to do that is to play my next song, which is, uh, and I apologize for the horrible pronunciation on this one, but Posadolidos uh, uh, by Pierre Cavalli. You're gonna use this part of the song in the episode, but yeah. when he's singing his little doo 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 doo, and there's yeah. that horn that's just like perfectly, it's not even yeah. harmonized. It's like playing the same note that he's singing, yeah. and it's just like I love that like backing track from a horn, right? Yeah, oh, beautiful. Uh, well, and uh, what's interesting I-, I love about this song is it starts off so funky, yeah, uh, up until the guitar part comes in, and then it's sad. You know, like, <laughs> like it's it's this sort of like daily life sort of way where it's like, oh no, it's still upbeat, but it kind of has a sense of sad to it. like society's crumbling around us yeah i uh <laughs> i i i just love uh, also that uh percussion instrument that just rattles yeah. you know yeah oh, like yeah. i oh, love yeah. like it has so much emphasis on the song and i just love it so much uh and yeah i, I exactly uh agree with you on that vocable and that like horn sound because it just has this like sort of like breathy lament to it mm-hmm. you know where mm-hmm. it's like there's it's kind of like a little bit I don't want to say apathetic but it's something where it's like toned down in a way of like I'm not even gonna sing anything you know like, yeah, well, like, it, it's exactly he's matching that melody exactly yeah um and so it's it, it's a thing that that I always think about when uh whenever I'm like writing a little song or something yeah and I'm always like oh man I can't just sing this melody right I can't just <laughs> sing the melody the like, like situationally you can sure but it's just sure. one of those things where it's like I always catch myself doing that and I'm like this is uncreative and unoriginal. <laughs> uh, but I loved that element in this one. And I think you 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 said it perfectly when you said that it it is it, kind of like it almost gets this like melancholic feel. Yeah. Uh, uh, when the guitar comes in, and then like I'm not even gonna try to do something different. Like right. I, I oh man, good takeaways. Yeah. Good takeaways, yeah. Bro. So so this uh this leads us to the second story, which at the point of this it would be that part of the Wes Anderson movie where they show a bunch of rooms with mm-hmm. uh, long tracking. Shots oh, perfect. going oh my through God. the the different rooms. Uh, so let me just read off all the rooms that are in the second story. All right, cool. We have the hand crank ATM, okay. uh, which was uh, first built in 1904 by uh, Maurice <laughs> by Maurice Truffaut, uh, who needed money on a Sunday. It's it's funny because I just imagine a hand crank ATM is just it's like it's like you one of those machines you put a penny into and you crank it a whole bunch and it comes out stretched out with an, an alligator on it that says Fort Worth Zoo. Yeah, you know <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, right after that, the next uh, room we see is the room that contains the uh, cocaine haberdashery, uh, which is for a late night treat. Cool. Uh, <laughs> next to that is the security hutch where a one-eyed Willem Dafoe watches six green VCR monitors of, fu- of fuzzy security footage. <laughs> uh, after that, we have the cigarette closet, a closet uh, where it, uh, all the shelves are filled with every brand and vintage of cigarette. 
Uh, so if you want to smoke a Newport of 1976, you can. <laughs> Are they individually placed on the racks like they would with a bottle of wine? Exactly. Like an individual cigarette on yeah. like a little in its own little tiny cubby? Like, I guess it's more of a cellar than a closet. But yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, they have the glitter lab. That just makes sense. It's a gentleman's club. Yeah, but that's where they synthesize all the glitter for the upcoming shows. They have the contemplation nook, which is just a chair in the corner where somebody just sits there like they're in timeout. Uh, but there's a sign that just says one at a time, please. <laughs> and so we just see a, the back of some dude's head as he's just sitting there. You know. <laughs> uh, last, they have the uh, the gift shop, which is an area where you can buy uh, gifts for uh, your spouse or like evidence of the place you said you were going. So they'll sure. print you a receipt from the bar you said you would go to <laughs> or like give you like some sort of uh, uh, sports, you know, uh, merchandise. So it looks like you went to the game or something like <laughs> like that you know uh after that they have the uh twerk out room uh <laughs> which is for physical fitness of course and uh and physical after- fitness he says <laughs> oh yes yes the twerk out room that's where we um stay in shape practice cardio yes and then uh and last but uh especially not least is the library so i'm just picturing coach langford being like <laughs> all right get to the twerk out room <laughs> Sorry, what was the last one? <laughs> last one, of course, <laughs> and no gentleman's club can be without is, of course, the library. Of course. Where naturally. you can read. Yes, every gentleman's club has one. Don't let them tell you any That's different. what differentiates a gentleman's club from a strip club. Exactly. The Marshall. library and the, the library. many leather-bound books on the shelves and within. But yes, yeah, so that is the, uh, that's my second <laughs> song, and that is the second story of uh, the Chiffon Salaire. All right, so my next song is Swing 42 by Andreas Verade. Hell yeah. It's so funny. So I uh, I love music like that, or it's like kind of like that French cafe sort of right? like like Pixar soundtrack music, uh, like uh, like uh, Django Reinhardt. Uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just fu- one thing I love about this like music is mm-hmm. it's just dudes fucking shredding, but without any distortion. Like yeah, if you add absolutely. A, if you add a shitload of gain and like you know just distortion to this, it just sounds completely different. Absolutely. You know? But but it's because it's acoustic, it's just so happy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they are fucking shredding. Right. Well, and it's it's I I always love it. It's 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 so funny when because uh, I, I I write most of my stuff on acoustic guitar and then like later I will go out to my amp and turn on all of the distortion and just fucking play it Mm -hmm. and it's so funny when I write something on acoustic and I'm like oh I bet this sounds better heavy it's yeah. like 50 50 yeah. it's like 50 50 that's right you know what i mean sure sure you gotta you gotta you gotta do the whole like uh trying on different uh wardrobes montage you know yeah, yeah. But, but just with different effects on your guitar always have my keely caverns reverb turned on though uh, it's what. a must it's a must 
So I love how bouncy and quick like the rhythm is with the guitar in this song. Yeah. Um, and the bass the whole time behind it is just very smooth and steady, mm-hmm. um, as a bass should be. Yeah, of course. Um, and like you said, he's just shredding just over this like nuts. rhythm and bass. Yeah. Um, and there's no other instruments in the song. It's just lead guitar, rhythm guitar, and bass. Yeah. Um, anytime someone shreds on an acoustic, I'm just impressed. Oh, yeah. That's first off difficult. Um, yeah. And, 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 and there's a lot of times like, like there's something that I, whenever someone's shredding on acoustic, if they get a note that like buzzes like the Mm -hmm. string buzzes a little bit or something like that i'm always just like oh that's fine you're doing this ridiculous thing on an acoustic guitar but this man andreas verade played all of that flawlessly yeah and i was blown (laughs) away (laughs) well yeah no it's just it's really hard to play that fast on like acoustic guitar like this and like flamenco like you know it's just fucking insane (laughs) and so i i just love how bright and fast-paced it is because to me this song is all action Mm -hmm. to me this song is just movement and just like in like in like uh uh just just action (laughs) it has kind of a hijinks uh, feel to it but like like fun hijinks like (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so during this scene uh vic and Vinny are running all over the club to grab uh uh, the other the other family members Mm -hmm. uh uh uh, to get ready for the don's wedding (laughs) um (laughs) and what happens is each time they get outside of one of the rooms before going inside um they the both of them will do like a little like peanuts type dance uh, where it's just all hands and feet and there's no like middle body to it at all and then they (laughs) knock on the door um, so they get to the ATM room, um, and there's a guy inside who's just, like, cranking it, but the crank's stuck. Yeah. Um, and so uh, they're like, hey, get out here. Yeah. And uh, he looks at them, and he's also in a full black suit with a black fedora. Um, and he's just like, hey, and he gets behind them in line. And they go to uh, the next room. What, it was before security? Uh, the cocaine haberdashery. The cocaine haberdashery. So they get to that room, and they do their little peanuts dance, and then they open the door. And that room is packed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just based on the description there's a lot of dudes in that room yeah um, for sure uh, uh, uh we're gonna call it six um and all of them look up at once with powder <laughs> on their nose is way too many <laughs> three three dudes we'll call is it way three too yeah. two three's too many no, no no i'm just saying in in general in life oh, oh okay. six dudes are too many dudes <laughs> Dude, it's a it's a, it's a it's a mob family. It's all dudes. Yeah, no, no, no. no disrespect. I'm just an outsider of just like, oh man, if hey, I hey, uh, what are you saying about me and my brothers? If I show up to any establishment and it's only six dudes, I will 100% just walk out. Even if the establishment is a cocaine haberdashery, Zach. At that point, maybe not. Who um, but so they get to the cocaine haberdashery and they do that little peanut dance outside and they open up and yeah. there's three guys because six is too many for Zach. There's three guys in there um, and those guys all look up at the same time with powder on their nose and then they mirror the little peanuts dance yeah. um, and get in the line behind them. Yeah. Um, and then they go to the next room, which is where uh, Willem Dafoe is, right? Yes. Um, and so they go up and they do the little peanuts dance and he is not amused. No, not at um, all. Because he is the only person who's having to work through the Don's wedding. And he only has one eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so... <laughs> Great, great for looking at monitors all day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and so he just kind of glares at them. Yeah. Um, they move along to the next one. And so they're basically just gathering all of these people from all of these different rooms nice. to get them together to like, we got to get to the Don's wedding. Right. Um, but the whole thing is in this big wide shot. 
mm-hmm. um, kind of uh, where you're seeing like the cutout of the stage, right? So it's yeah. like instead of instead of it like a camera following them around, the camera's static this whole time. Right, they're doing and the they're, Buster Keaton thing. Exactly, yeah. yeah, and they're just going room to room to room to room. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they get this whole group of like uh, 14 dudes that are all in black suits with black fedoras right behind them. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, and so they're all in a they're all in like kind of a big clump except for Vic and Vinny who are at the front. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it also kind of looks like uh, uh, you know when you, there's like a clump of cartoon characters that are all together in a big hovel. Yeah. It's kind of like that, and then you see every time they get to a door, it's just Vic and Vinny doing the quick little dance, um, <laughs> and then they just like move to the next room. <laughs> Um, and they're like the only defined people out of the whole lot because uh, uh, everyone else is just a black suit with a black fedora. <laughs> um, and that uh, lined up great yeah, and was perfect. my journey uh, uh, through your second set of rooms. <laughs> so let's see what the boys do in your third room, Zach. Well, to introduce our third room, I will introduce our next song, which is Matar al Sabah by Frakat al Ard. عندما كان المطر المبكر يوقظه في الشوارع النائمة يوقظه في الشوارع النائمة سجناء So I really like that song. Uh, It is very uh, light and delicate, you know, uh, especially in the beginning before like the drums Mm -hmm. come in and everything kind of picks up a little bit. Uh, I feel like um, this song is like perfect for beautiful women putting on makeup. You know, yeah, like no, it, no, definitely. It, it literally just has that vibe of something very like gentle and sweet, but like also just a little um, longing in a way. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I, I equivalent it to a little bit, especially in the beginning. It reminds me a lot of like somewhere over the rainbow. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it, where it's like it's like very soft, like emotional vibes. Where it's just uh, it's not it's not forcing anything at you or anything like that. It's yeah. just playing nice music. Yeah, and I don't know what the lyrics are because I think it is in Lebanese. Um, but it just uh, regardless of what or uh, what it is, that's kind of the feeling I get with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like uh, uh, Wes Anderson always does this great thing where he plays a song that you feel like you already know, even if it's your first time hearing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it just mm-hmm. fits whatever vibe uh, that he's like trying to uh, uh, demonstrate. But then also, there's something very familiar about the chord progressions, the instrumentation, all these things that just make it feel so like, oh yeah, no, I've heard this. No, I've never heard this song. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I think I've heard this, but the song's in Lebanese, yeah. so I don't think I've heard this. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I've heard this one. You know. But uh, uh, that will start, you know, that will happen in like a a, a, a song where you f- hear the, the opening chords of it. And you're just like, oh, yeah, I know. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> but this uh, this third story is the green room, uh, which is actually purple. So the green room is for uh, all the performers. Uh, and it technically takes up an entire floor of the building. But it seems so small and compact because it is just filled with all of these uh 
um, uh, racks of uh, different outfits. There's props. There's all these things. Uh, the entire room is just lit by the vanity mirrors, uh, mm-hmm. and every performer has their own little station. Sure. And then uh, the that station is like a representation of that person's personality. Sure. Yeah. So it's yeah, like yeah. you know, there's somebody who's like you know very organized. Everything's labeled. There's somebody where it's like completely you know in a, a place of disarray and just horribleness. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um big bag of goop on that one yeah and then uh but yeah so so that is the third story which is a green room which is actually purple this is the first room that's gonna give me a little bit of difficulty zach uh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. um and i will say it, it it halfway works super well all right, all right. <laughs> halfway like 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 halfway works super well gotcha. so uh, uh as the action in the scene begins this song is still playing the one that you put because it's actually mm-hmm. emo it's, it's perfect yeah um, um, and so, and so, uh, uh, Vinny and Vic and all the boys, they enter the room where the Don is preparing to be wed. <laughs> <laughs> He's putting on his makeup. He's putting on his suit and his makeup. Um, <laughs> they enter the room where the Don is, asterisk, preparing to be wed. Bill Murray stands on a stage in a black suit, smoking a cigar. <laughs> he looks them up and down. Ugh, you come to me on today, the day of my wedding? My wedding. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and at this point, uh, 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 I'm going to pivot a little bit here. So uh, uh, everyone's just getting the dawn ready for his wedding. Of course. Uh, uh, they're, 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 they're lint rolling all of their black suits. Uh, they're, they're sitting there smoking cigars, drinking scotch. Uh, uh, just getting ready for the festivities. Everyone's excited for the dawn. The dawn's excited that everyone's here. Um, and Monin by Charles Mingus plays. Ooh, Charles. Man, the horns at the start of this track. Oh, baby. Tell me they don't sound like trouble. (laughs) I got flop sweat, but it's not because of how hot it is in here. Just like when I hear those horns at the start, I was just like, oh, uh, something's a brewing. Well, especially when that fucking upright bass comes in, just fucking going up and down the neck, you know, just fucking just adding that funk to it. Something's a brewing and it's not necessarily good. No, 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 no. Um, it's, it's like uh, when the rhythm and the harmonies come in, like you were saying, uh, it all just sounds like one cohesive unit. Yeah. Right. Like a family unit, if you would. Yes. Like a, a, a mafia family unit, uh, yeah, as I you would it. say. Yeah, um, I get it. I don't know if they got it, but I get it. <laughs> so folks, we do the show the same way every week. Um, <laughs> But there's yeah. this there's this part where there's this one horn that's kind of cutting through, and it's kind of doing its own thing. Yeah. Um. And it's still it's still on beat. It's still you know it's not it's not that it's like dissonant or anything, but it's very much just kind of like a solitary voice that kind of like gets loud and then it fades back into the background. But it, but if you listen for it, it's always doing its own thing throughout sure. the whole song. And that's our boy Vinny. 
Yeah. That's our boy Edward Norton. Yeah. He's the horn that's playing a little bit different than the rest of the pack. <laughs> so, like, as, as all the boys are, like, cutting loose and, like, getting ready for the Don's big day, uh, uh, we cut over to Vinny. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and we see him in his big suit. Uh, and and he is just, once again, uh, you know, socializing, having fun, but kind of slinking around. Sure. Looking in drawers. Yeah, looking for something. Looking for something. Yeah. You know, something, trying, trying to find... Anything. And so what's happening uh, in this scene is basically like most of the people are together in this big clump in the middle of the room kind of surrounding the dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone's t- toasting and like and like just having a great time and laughing. Yeah. And, and, and we see what we see is we see Vinny kind of just like coming out from the group and like looking at a set of drawers and then going back in. And then he comes out on like the other side of the room and he like checks, uh, checks maybe one of the, one of the vanities. Um, and then he goes back into the clump, but every time he steps away from the group, he's spotlighted. So it's like very <laughs> apparent to the people watching that it's like Vinny's up to something, right? Yeah. 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 And then, uh, uh, with each, like each of those like low horn toots, the ones that sound like trouble, uh, uh, he's like dramatically throwing himself back against one of the walls to make sure no one's seeing him. So, like arms, <laughs> arms like splayed behind him. So it's like it's like, like a Kronk and ex- exactly, group. exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it's like he steps out. He looks through a drawer. The horns blow. He like slams against the wall. Looks around. Make sure no one's looking. <laughs> um, and then he closes the drawer. Goes to the next area. He's at one of the vanities. And like maybe the horn blows and he thinks he sees someone looking at him, but it's just him in the mirror. You know, and he like ducks real quick, um, and he's just doing like every time those horns hit, it's him doing like an evasive maneuver to make sure that he's still looking casual like the rest of the boys. Nice. And then we get, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, uh, the Don looks at everyone and he says, "All right, guys, it's time." Oh fuck! And that leads us to our next room. <laughs> well, Marshall, our next room is the uh, VIP room. Uh, which is actually a greenhouse. Uh, oh. So uh, uh, for all the high rollers, uh, you know, and the movers and shakers, uh, they get this private room uh, that was formerly Chief Fire Inspector's uh, Akira Ozu's greenhouse. The room is filled with the illusion of a lush greenhouse with a wide variety of exotic fake plants. Uh, the green room, uh, the greenhouse has a dome-shaped glass ceiling uh, that kind of peaks up to like the roof. It doesn't mm-hmm. fully take up the roof, but it just kind of <laughs> peaks up to it. So it kind of lets the sun in, yeah. you know, if the sun's agreeable. Um, <laughs> but this is the perfect place to make it rain. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, leads us to my fourth song, "Rainmaker" by Harry Nielsen. Rainmaker. First day in August. The last rain was in May When the rainmaker came to Kansas In the middle of a dusty day Said the rainmaker to the people Tell me what you are prepared to pay Said the rainmaker to the people Now I'll conjure up a rain today That song's dope, dude. Yeah, right? It's a really good song. So uh, if you're not familiar with, like, Harry Nielsen, uh, he is kind of like a musician's musician, uh, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. Like, he was, um, like, pretty popular with people like John Lennon and, like, David Bowie and a Mm -hmm. bunch of other people. Uh, And he he did find, like, plenty of success. Um, Lime and the Coconut, uh, that's him. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, yeah. 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 Um, uh, it's, and you drink it all up. He does the soundtrack for the movie Midnight Cowboy, which I oh, wow. I don't like Midnight Cowboy. However, the music the, is great. The music is great because, yeah. you know, it's uh, Everybody's Talking at Me, which is a, a very iconic song. Uh, and then uh, uh, one of my favorites is I Guess the Lord Must Be in New York City. Uh, <laughs> and that's also a great song. He, he has plenty of... Uh, 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 gotta get up it's another great song uh, i'm glad you went into it because it's a name that sounded familiar and i could not place remotely which i mean that happens to me with like every artist even right. once i listen to a lot uh, uh but but nonetheless it's like uh, uh hearing that i was just like oh that makes so much sense yeah uh, he's a musician's musician that makes so much sense because yeah. it's like his music has been present and around right um but it's like it's like the name just rings a bell right right well, i mean it's one of those things where it's it like just rings a bell he has a he has songs that are more commercially like like, you know, accepted, you know, and then he has like songs where it's just the chorus is fuck you. you yeah. know? <laughs> like in 1970s is like um, like an artist. <laughs> yeah. It's like you treated me bad and dun 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 dun. So fuck you. <laughs> and it's so funny because because fuck used to be a much worse word before the Internet came around. Oh, yeah. You know what sure. I mean? I feel like I feel like now uh, it's every uh, other word. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the Internet came around. And I feel like people would largely I mean, I mean, there's still swear words that people get real icky about. Yeah, sure. Uh, but by and large, like like fuck and shit and goddamn uh yeah, you know those yeah, you know, a nursery it's, rhymes. Exactly, nowadays. it's very, yeah. it's very uh, uh, simple now. And so to, to be dropping a fucking uh, uh, chorus back then, hooey. Yeah, well, there's there's certain elements of the song that I really love. Uh, one of them being just that like sort of like uh, breakdown before the chorus, where it's like uh, kind of sounds cowboyish. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like this is a 1970s intro song for a, for a show about ranching. Wait, Zach, are you telling me that this week you brought to the table a song that has one part that's got some twang to it? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is three in a row for us. Uh, but yeah, no, and then I mean the bass in the song is fucking great. It really carries. And I it, really, uh, uh, even though they're pretty simple, I really love the drums. Yeah, for uh, sure. The percussion was really it was just, yeah. it, from the start because it kind of opens with that. Yeah. Um, I really, I really was sucked in by that. Yeah, and then that moment that you know uh, we talked about where all the uh, uh, instruments drop out and it just becomes the vocal harmonies oh my where God. he just says it's, "Rain, it's, rain, go away." It's all that's left. Everything drops out and it's just him and the vocal harmony. And just the drum kit super yeah. light in the back. Yeah, it's oh, so it's good. So good. The people of the oh. town heard the sound of his laughter and they knew the rain had come to stay. It just oh. really, I, 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 it elevates the song so much. Like the song's already really great, but as soon as that part comes in, it's just like, oh fuck yes! And you it know? sucks because that part's like thirty seconds before the song is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like oh fuck yeah! And then it's oh, like oh uh, oh you're you're done already? Oh, we're we're leaving now. You're oh, done already? I still I still need. Can you uh? Can we cuddle? Can uh? Oh okay, you're, you're leaving. <laughs> oh, okay. you gotta go. Okay. okay. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. That's it's cool. Fine. Just just hit me up on Insta. <laughs> Send me up on insight, you know. Hey, uh, just just follow our podcast. Maybe give it five stars on your favorite platform. <laughs> and he closed the door. <laughs> but yeah, that's a uh, Rainmaker by Harry Nielsen, and that is the VIP greenhouse of the Chaffon Soleil. So before 
mm-hmm. we uh, dive into what happens in the VIP room. Yeah, for sure. I have to ask. Uh, uh, you said this room used to be the fire chief's office. Yeah. So it was the fire chief's greenhouse. So okay. it was it was uh, initially a greenhouse that mm. had plenty of plants and other stuff like that. But they now it's just like leather chairs for girls to dance on you. On. Right. But and there's still there's still Gross. plants around, but they're all fake. They're all just oh, exotic gosh. fake plants. You know. <laughs> Um, okay, so that fire chief, mm-hmm. do you by chance happen to know if maybe he was played by Martin Ballard, uh, the guy who played the fire chief in Fantastic Mr. Fox? I think he is now, which oh! is weird because I said Akira Ozu, so yeah. Wes Anderson's got some weird takes. <laughs> was Akira the... Uh, who's Akira Ozu? Uh, so I kind of uh, I, um, jammed together two okay, directors okay. that I know he's influenced by, but gotcha, uh, and that's gotcha. Akira Kurosawa and uh, Hiroshi Ozu. I don't think uh, I'm familiar with Hiroshi Ozu. Obviously, uh, I know. Obviously, I know Kurosawa. Um, dude, if you uh, like, and I say this with the greatest of compliments, if you ever need to fall asleep, I definitely rec- recommend an Ozu movie. Really, uh, he does this thing where he shoots things uh, long. Uh, takes wide shots all very symmetrically perfect mm-hmm. and he never like the closest close-up he ever does is like a mid shot like a medium close-up yeah. or like not even that like a like, like straight up a mid yeah straight up a mid shot like torso so like, and everything waist waist through like top of head yeah that's oh pretty much God. how close he gets Dope. and a lot of his movies they're not sexy plots uh mm-hmm. a lot of them are about uh internal family dramas and other stuff it's like, like that. slice of life stuff yeah uh, yeah. uh the the movie that i am most uh familiar with is called uh floating weeds and that Mm -hmm. is about an acting troupe who travels around they come back to this village that they haven't been to in a while and one of the actors in the acting troupe finds out he has a son who's (laughs) like 17 at this point yeah you know so a lot of family drama a lot of you know stuff like that uh but he he had a very uh specific style and uh uh, I think uh, uh, Roger Ebert coined this phrase uh, to describe it. He has these things called pillow shots, mm-hmm. which are uh, shots in transition of scenes that are just kind of just weird kind of B-roll. Not weird, but like just B-roll in a way. B-roll, um, but not necessarily even like topical B-roll. Yeah. Well, I mean, like it, it's something where it's like it might represent something or it might not. It it kind of adds this element to the the movies where uh, it gives it like a rest. Like in oh, music, how like it's giving it, you a beat to to process. It's giving you a beat absorb to step that, away. Yeah, that scene. But you know, it's it's not jarring. It's not crazy. But because they are very like long one shots of these characters because it's not super sexy in the plots they are the perfect movies to fall asleep to well zach uh maybe not this weekend because i'm going to chris's bachelor party shout out chris what up dude you don't listen to the podcast um <laughs> uh, but this is going he's to not going to wes anderson's <laughs> gentleman's club for his this is bachelor, chris's bachelor party. party this weekend uh maybe maybe next weekend let's watch one dude yeah because uh, yeah, yeah. we used to like i'm not a huge anime guy yeah uh but but we you know i love japanese directors oh um, yeah i love sure. japanese film and yeah so so it's like, yeah, let's uh, we haven't we haven't watched like a Takeshi movie or anything like that in a long time either. Let's, yeah, uh, let's no, do, I'm down. Let's do let's do a let's do a Japanese maybe maybe we can throw uh something faster on first. Yeah, yeah. We can do uh we can do like a uh 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 Yakuza movie first and then we'll dip into this. Have you seen The Bad Sleep Well? 
No, I've right. heard I've, I've heard you tell me about the bad sleep well before. Yeah. No, let's watch that. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's uh, that's a uh, that's not also super like action heavy, but it's a very uh, Count of Monte Cristo revenge story. Oh, dope. Yeah, Hell yeah, yeah. Hey, with folks. like Japanese businessmen. It's, it's fucking great. We're going to watch some Japanese cinema next week. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, uh, I just wanted to talk about that for a sec. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so they go up to the next floor. Yeah. Uh, and that's where the wedding ceremony is happening between oh, all of these cheesy uh, fake plants uh, yeah. kind of in this green room. And it's like, uh, but they did it right at sunset. Yeah. And so they have kind of this beautiful uh, 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 red, orange, pink hue behind them um, mm. and, and silhouetted or some of the other like high rise buildings in the city. Yeah. Um, and so it's a really pretty scene, even though it's a greenhouse with a bunch of fake plants in it where people get mm. lap dances. Yeah. Um, <laughs> There's like a like an air of dr- car noir in the room and so they get up top and the ceremony starts and the don gets married um and 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 everyone's so excited and it kind of just immediately turns into the reception because these are a bunch of mafia guys they want to party um i always love when a like wedding ends when the ceremony the- is short and the reception is instant yes <laughs> yeah like uh, i think my cousin did that at one point where it was like the reception or the 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 service was like a little long but it wasn't too long Mm -hmm. and then it was just like and we move right over here to the reception (laughs) no time wasted I come from a big old Catholic family yeah and so so the thing is like at a lot of my family weddings uh, they've been like two hour masses like a full mass you know what I mean yeah Um, and my cousin Josh sometimes listens to the pod fuck you Chris Um, (laughs) (laughs) shout out to Josh shout out to Josh my earbud Josh what's up bud Uh, Josh uh uh Got married a year or two ago, and their wedding, uh, they did like a, a non-religious ceremony. My cousin Allie officiated. Yes, uh, yes, Father Allie. Father yes, Allie, yes, yeah. Uh, yes. She officiated, uh, and it was it was wonderful. We literally, I made a betting pool. Like, like as the ceremony was starting, I made a betting pool with my other cousins and aunts and uncles yeah. on how short the ceremony would be. Yeah. Um, and the closest guess overshot it by over 10 minutes because we're so used to Catholic weddings in the family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think my mom won, actually. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, Hope your uh, mom bought, bought herself something nice. Uh, but yeah, quick ceremony, straight into the reception. All oh, these yeah. mob guys are partying. Yeah. Um, but just like the pregame that they did uh, in the green room, uh, we see Edward Norton kind of doing this thing where separating from the clump and just like investigating and looking at things and trying to find some kind of evidence yeah and then a hand claps down on his shoulder right as he opens a drawer and the hand kind of pulls him back and we see it's benicio del toro fuck in a black suit hell yeah with a black fedora (laughs) does he have a funny accent uh uh uh, yes okay Cool. He's good at this. I don't. He does now. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but as the hand grabbed him, you looked into the drawer and you saw a big uh, manila envelope wrapped in twine with uh, uh, red text on it and big bold text that just says evidence. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. And so Benicio del Toro grabs him. Um, and he immediately starts winding up for a punch. He immediately knows that Vinny is up to no good. Right. Um, and as the punch is swinging forward to connect, we see Vinny grab the evidence and then just like swing the table around at Benicio del Toro, just like completely stopping him in his tracks. Mm-hmm. And then, hey, Pachuco, 
by the Royal Crown Revenue starts playing. Nice. Such a good song, dude. Oh, Such dude. a good song. Yeah. yeah. I, I do also want to point out that this is also the song in the movie The Mask with Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, the song yeah. that he goes into the club and he's just like, let's rock this joint. And that then makes he, so much sense. And then he spins around the, the Copacabana uh, like musician. <laughs> First off, the drummer who comes in with that fucking sick Oh, man. It's just like all toms, bro. Yeah, it's oh, just, it's so good. Oh, fucking amazing. <laughs> But I just wanted to point that out because as soon as you played it, because I did not recognize the song, but as soon as I heard that drums, I was like, oh, this is the scene in The Mask yeah, where yeah. Jim Carrey dances with uh, Cameron Diaz. And I know that for a fact because as a child, I had The Mask on VHS and I watched that movie. I <laughs> shit you not, at least into the three or four hundreds. I believe that. Yeah. Uh, my favorite movie as of the age like 13 was Gladiator. Oh, yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. And I watched watched that were you movie. entertained uh, oh, maximus you entertained me greatly <laughs> i mean i don't think i've seen that movie in over 10 years now but the only reason for that is because i watched it so many hundreds of times as a child like like yeah. which is funny because like my parents never minded me seeing violence uh, yeah. they didn't like it if movies cussed they didn't like it if movies had boobies in them. Yeah. Um, but but violence they were fine with. And so oh, yeah. I was 13 and I couldn't. Same here. Yeah. I was not allowed to watch The Simpsons, but Gladiator was my favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't able to watch Family Guy, but like six years prior, I watched Hugh Jackman stab a bunch of people with fucking claws coming out of his hands. You know? Yeah, you get it. You yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but oh, man, the percussion oh, at the top so of this track. It's like, it's so brutal. Yeah. And then the horns come in. Mm -hmm. And they're so brutal. Yeah. Oh my God. The horns have this uh, this sly element to mm -hmm. them where it just it adds an element to a heist or just like sort of just mischievousness, you know? Here, I wrote this song's designed for a chase scene. Oh, 100%. Right? It's it, like, it, as soon as you just set up the situation and then it's like, this is the song that plays. I was like, this is fucking perfect. It is organized <laughs> chaos, it is pandemonium, it is, it is big action. Yeah. And so before we get into the action real quick, I did do some research on the song and the band. Sure. Um, so I wasn't familiar with the term pachuco, mm -hmm. and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't like, like this is, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure I wasn't using a slur or just right. being yeah, inappropriate, sure. you know. Yeah. Um, Which is way better than what I do, because I have no <laughs> idea what those Lebanese guys do. <laughs> Um, but so I did a little bit of research on it, and, and basically what I was able to find is pachucos were like a counterculture movement um, of like Mexican Americans, a lot of times first generation immigrants um, in like the South. So that would be like South Texas, uh, L.A., uh, uh, you know, Southern California, mm -hmm. um, and basically they were really known for like uh, 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 they, they they kind of rebelled against both their parents' culture and American culture. They sure. were big. They wore a lot of zoot suits. Mm -hmm. um, they were they they were a big formative scene, um, and and like later on. Um, um, they got associated specifically with being like gangbangers and stuff like that, um, um, which like, you know, counterculture movements. Yeah. Um, 
But well, uh, in the way that like rap music didn't start off as gangster rap, but it right. kind of eventually became that. I don't want to get like too in depth because like I didn't do that much research, and I don't sure. want to like you know just just go off the wall here. But I did uh, uh, find an interview actually with the band. Oh yeah, where they discussed kind of that with the band, oh, um, wow. and so I instantly I was like, oh, this is the perfect like thing. I can like tell their intent. I can like see all of this. Um, and so the interviewer uh, uh, basically just kind of like sat them down and posed this question of like, hey, uh, have you ever had thoughts or concerns or like even even any consideration about like is this song like 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 uh, culturally appropriate or, or, or appropriation or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved their response. So like the guys in the band were like stoked to be asked this question. Sure. Sure. They were like, they were like, we did not put any consideration into this, uh, but it is so good that people are like going back and looking at this stuff and like taking that like sociological aspect into account, you mm-hmm. know. But they said that when they got together, uh, like when they wrote this song, like none of them could play instruments. Uh, the guy who was kind of like the front man for the band, he was like, no, dude, uh, I was in like 1980s L.A. and I was really big into punk rock and doo wop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like, I was into <laughs> punk rock and doo wop. <laughs> um, and so he and these guys started just like jamming, and 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 eventually they they started making like this this kind of music, which I think is dope. And I can't believe I love that it comes from like a punk rock element. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, well, because the 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 way the drums come in, the way every Everything is very punchy, you know. Yeah, but it yeah. kind of has that soft element of doo-wop, you know. 100%, I, I, yeah, I, I no, can dude, see those things leading to this. Once you know? he said that, I yeah. heard it. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean. But I sure. never would have guessed it in oh, a million not at years. All. Yeah. Um. And, and he has this quote. He says, "Uh, he says, uh, uh, we didn't know how to play our instruments. We didn't know jack. I was into punk rock and doo-wop." And then the uh, interviewer was just like, oh, but like you're Chicano. Does that have any influence on this? And I loved his response. He says, oh, yeah, like that makes me an expert. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so good. I know, right? That's so good. Like what a burn on the interviewer there, dude. Oh, yeah. Fuck you, man. (laughs) Oh, Um, that's so good. But so so this song, uh, Vinny throws the table, right? And he starts to run. And I gotta ask real quick, Zach, last room, <laughs> upstairs, yeah. downstairs, where are we going from here? Because <laughs> cause that's kind of important for where he goes. We're going to the roof. Cool. That's just, <laughs> cool. So uh, 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 Vinny is kind of like shoving through, uh, uh, chases past him, and he sees the stairwell up. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looks around, and there's all of these mobsters between him and like the way down, the way out, the standard way to get away. Yeah. Um, and so these horns are playing, and he starts just running towards the stairs. Mm-hmm. But every single step that he takes, another mobster like sees him, processes that he's doing something wrong for the family. Yeah. And then gets in line behind the guy who's directly behind him. And in a big single file line, they're chasing him up towards these stairs. Yeah. Um, and with each blast of the horns. Uh, one of the guys following him uh, uh, just kind of like lunges forward and tries to grab him. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of like gets swept up in the crowd and then takes up his place at the end of the single file line again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but what I said, uh, what I said is he rounds a corner and or goes up and or down some stairs. Yeah. And that's how this song ends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Well, Marshall, we get to my last song, the last room of this place, and uh, which is the roof. Um, and uh, I don't know how these things are gonna mesh, but hopefully, it's gonna be some peanut butter and chocolate, baby. We'll see. <laughs> 
all right. So let's just go into the tune of my last song because it's going to be a stark contrast of where we left it. <laughs> uh, this song is called uh, Don't Believe by Vashti Banyan. So, Zach, yep. <laughs> at this point, our paths have veered. Yep. <laughs> Up until this point, we have managed to make something pretty cohesive. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And this is the point where both of us had different ideas of how this is going to end. <laughs> so, the last uh, place is the roof, uh, which mm-hmm. is known as Smoker's Solitude. Okay. It is literally the only quiet place in the uh, Chafon Salé. Uh, it is a spot that every uh, employee knows, but not every patron, uh, mm-hmm. because every employee has got uh, gone there for one reason or another. The outcome is all the same. It is isolation. Um, okay. It is a uh, point where they can just uh, uh, stand or sit on this rooftop and look out. And just see the city and just see the sunset or the sunrise and just kind of let whatever emotion they have kind of like wash over them. Maybe we didn't fear too bad after all. Ooh, I like this. <laughs> but yeah, like, um, and that song specifically, I think is like, uh, for me, when I heard it, I was like, oh man, this kind of checks some boxes for the Wes Anderson style. It has a uh, female vocalist uh, who's singing in an almost like timid way, uh, but mm-hmm. very breathy and light. And the entire quality of it is very lo-fi. It's not like super... Uh, um, uh, overproduced or anything like that. It's very simple. It's very, it's very childlike. It's very, very, yeah. The melody, that guitar, the like, it just has this very like childlike nature to it. It Uh, sounds almost like incorporeal to me. Like air, air is one of the elements that creates it, right? Like this weightlessness, like this, this, this nothing, right? And it's 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 one of the most beautiful songs uh, about the pessimistic view of love. (laughs) You know, it is it is a song where she's just like, oh no, don't don't believe. You know, and and the idea of love and other things like that is just gonna get your heart broken. Like you know, it's like do you, do, don't believe all these people who are talking about love as though it's this you know amazing thing. No, 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 no. that's not that's not how it is at all. Um, but I I I had this idea that, like the only things that are up there is just one stool and a Mickey Mouse ashtray. Oh yeah, and you can kind of like is this is the ashtray on the stool or is it on like the ledge of the it shifts, wall? You know, okay, it's, it's wherever, one of those things. Whoever sets it, whoever yeah, last. exactly. It's it's one of those things. But every every employee for whatever reason has gone up there to just be alone and quiet. I'll tell you something about this ashtray, Zach. Mm-hmm. There's some cigarette butts in it. Yeah, but this is this is the Don's establishment. Yeah, there's a lot of cigar little nubs in there. Yeah. <laughs> Fat stogie butts. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. <laughs> but yeah, so that is the uh, last song that I have, and that is uh, the last room of the Chafon Soleil. My last song 
is Cato as a Pun by Of Montreal. Oh. Yeah, a little bit of a shift here. Yeah, I do like Of Montreal, though. Okay, so we have a wide shot mm-hmm. of this rooftop. Yeah. And on the far right-hand side, that's where the stairwell comes up onto the roof. Mm-hmm. And on the far left-hand side, you have the solitary stool with the Mickey Mouse ashtray. Mm. And we see Vic smoking a cigarette by the stool, taking a moment's respite from the festivities downstairs. And then we see Vinny on right-hand frame come up out of the stairwell. Mm. And slowly behind him, we see kind of this throng of people chasing him. And Vic turns around. And this is all in slow motion. I forgot to say that. This is all in slow motion because it fits the song so perfectly. And Vic starts to slowly turn around and he sees Vinny running. And he sees everyone chasing him. And you see Vic start to cry as he pulls his gun out of his holster and raises it up and points it across the roof. Mm-hmm. At this point, Vinny's about halfway across the roof, and he registers that it's Vic there. And uh, Vinny understands what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And you see him reach into his jacket, and he pulls out the manila folder labeled evidence. And he winds it up to throw it over his shoulder. And then Vic shoots. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. And then Vic shoots. Uh, right as the evidence arcs out of Vinny's hand over towards the edge of, yeah. of, of the rooftop. Uh, uh, we get evidence POV. <laughs> <laughs> As it's falling? Yeah, yeah. evidence yeah. POV is it arches over the head of Vic. Um, and then it's like, maybe it's a 360 camera or something, so we turn around and are able to see everybody kind of like looking at it throw. We see mm. Vinny collapse to the ground, clutching his chest. Um, and, and, and it arches over the edge of the roof, falling past the club. And then we see on the ground, Owen Wilson. (laughs) I knew he'd show up. (laughs) I knew he'd be here. We see on the ground, Owen Wilson. And he is uh, dressed as a British cop. And by the way, they were both British cops this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, His badge says, Officer Winner. (laughs) Um, And then right as uh, the evidence is about to get into his hand, it gets to that spot in the song where everything drops out. Mm -hmm. And he catches it. And then credits roll. (laughs) Oh, nice. Hey. Um, I had to do the action before describing the song here just because it, it, it's, I felt like the... Well, yeah, we're leading up to it. Exactly, yeah, yeah we had to hear it. Um, I felt like this song was really perfect for like uh, the resolution of this scene where it's like it's happening in slow motion. Um, um, we see our, our, our cop... I don't want to call him a cop friend. He's a British cop, so maybe he is a cop friend. I don't know. I hate He's American a Bobby. cops. Yeah. Um, we see him just like in this moment. We see like the disillusionment of their friendship. We see it all crumbling apart. Yeah. Um, um, 
And it just like, I don't know, something about like the synth continuity on one side, but then the way that that electric guitar like really pierces through on the right side track. Mm -hmm. um, It just it just felt right, man. It's like it's 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 the the shrillness of that guitar counter to the 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 synth was like perfect for like this moment of betrayal. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like Vic is realizing that Vinny has been undercover this whole time. Vinny is realizing that Vic, despite all of the memories they've had, is still loyal loyal to the dawn uh, because he's just some fucking cop you know and then Owen Wilson catches the evidence and it goes is that too much to ask And then credits roll. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. It just really put the cherry on top for me. Yeah, no, I, I like loved that a lot. it. Yeah. I loved it. And um, ladies and gentlemen, that <laughs> is Wes Anderson's Gentleman's Club. Very good, man. I, I, I like this episode a lot. Yeah, I, what a uh, hoot. Yeah. Uh, hey, folks, you're getting a little more exposure to the sides of us that are just creative geniuses and not just comedic geniuses. Well, I, you know, you, I mean... I mean, it was fucking funny. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I, uh, genius. That's the issue. <laughs> oh, that's fair. I mean, yeah, no, you're right. This is dumb as fuck. <laughs> well, Marshall, uh, before we sign off and get out of here, I'm going to, uh, 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 do one more segment before we go. And, uh, this oh? is, I don't really have a name for this segment. Uh, oh, we'll call it Wes Anderhoo. Wes Anderhoo. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Uh, how about Wes Anders, uh, Wes Ander hoo-ha? Um, Wes Ander hoo-ha. Uh, so this is a, uh, culmination of, uh, 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 strip club reviews that I have found online. And don't get me wrong, uh, a lot of strip club reviews, kind of misogynistic. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> and a, and a few of these do touch on that. But, uh, however, I, 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 I tried to find ones that were just funny, uh, but this is a, uh, 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 place in Dallas off of Harry Hines called, uh, Lipstick Men's Club. Okay. This is one of the worst places I have found on Yelp. Oh. Uh, uh, so, (laughs) this is, uh, from, uh, Humberto V, uh, uh, place is a dump, seriously. (laughs) Watched as a roach walked up my beer glass and down inside. Puke-smelling areas where customers puke and isn't cleaned up properly. Only the springs left on many seats. And uh, some are full of indiscriminable built-up slime. Oh. Too scared to try the food. One star. (laughs) Okay, uh, uh, I will say that does get the John Taffer staff of approval, that review, because you should not be eating there. Uh, no, Bar Rescue has taught me one thing, and that thing is, if you are at all dubious about an establishment, do, do not, not order eat. food no, there. No. Yeah. Uh, um, real, also, it's just like, it's it's incredible that these places where 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 uh, uh, what they market is is the human breast, Yeah. Uh, that these places can get bad reviews at all really speaks volumes to how bad they are. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, next one, same club, lipstick men's club. Uh, uh, same club. Uh, this is by Baquib J. Uh, stalked by staff all night and then asked to leave without any reason. Asked what I did and told me they were going to call the police. Wow, what a place of entertainment. I feel like this guy was wrong. 
Nah, man, I've heard, I, I've read a lot of these reviews, and it just seems like if oh, someone it, is just standing weird, they kick them out. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, okay. I, if you're I, not actively throwing fifty dollar bills, they want you out of their establishment. It's not just actively like you could be in there having money, and for whatever reason, this club, I guess, will just fucking really? eject you. Uh, this one's from a place called PT Men's Club. Uh, PT is, Men's Club, like, like, like you named your club after the PT Cruiser, the most <laughs> undesired car, the most undesired vehicle, like in America. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, so this is from Shane Y. Uh, went to this place. Dot dot dot. First time from my wife. She got drunk and went to barf in the bathroom. Dot dot dot. Someone. Dot dot dot. Probably a manager stole four hundred dollars out of her purse, then kicked us, and uh, then kick us out. Really shady place. I think they meant shady, but they added two D's in there, so it's shady. Yeah, and I was like, is it shitty or shady? Like, well, it's funny because my my thought was shoddy. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were trying to say that this place, this place is unkept. This place yeah. is kind of sh- sh- shoddy, shitty, yeah. shady, yeah, yeah, shady. All right. Uh, <laughs> Another one from uh, PT's Men's Club. This is from Daniel P. Bob, the manager, suffers from small penis complex. (laughs) How big is this truck? Yeah. uh, We came from Miami and work in the industry. We watched two kids allowed in sweatpants in front of him, and we're de- and we were denied entry because we had rips in our jeans. Which, by the way, were filled with Benjamins to be spent. By the way, by the way, all caps, uh, poor etiquette and a major douchebag. He should be fired. Don't waste your money or time. Fuck little dick Bob. Little dick Bob. Man, I've had some bad reviews about me, but I've never had one where it ends with fuck little dick Bob. (laughs) They do do usually end with fuck little dick Marshall, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Marshall, I know I've said like, oh, you know, these reviews, like maybe the club just sucks. This one is a mixed bag of a review. And this is the last one I'm going to do. This is from Kevin K. Quite possibly the worst gentleman's club I've ever been to. And not just Dallas. I've been to 13 countries and and half the U.S. and nothing is as terrible as this place. First, there's a $20 cover charge just so you can BYOB, only to pay eight, uh, uh, pay $8 for a bag of ice. That's... <laughs> That's 30 to have the privilege of enjoying your beer and their less accommodating confines. I'm sorry, just $8 for a bag of ice? What the yeah. fuck? That's. Uh, next line's a kicker, Marshall. Sure, I was there on a Sunday. <laughs> but don't open if there's four girls for about 30 patrons. My friend was tipping the girls on stage. I gave a few tips. Nobody came to sit with us. And no, we were not bad looking guys. We're both married to beautiful women. But the talent that day was loaded with nothing but five or sixes. Uh, 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 Packed, by the way, with Benjamins. (laughs) (laughs) Upon leaving, I expressed my sincere disappointment that $30 basically got me nothing more than a bag of ice. I knew I wasn't getting my money back. I came prepared to drop a good amount of cash, their loss. The security was a bunch of tools. 
six or seven of them uh, uh, came outside to kick me off the premises while I was waiting for my Uber, all standing by the Napoleon of a security manager, <laughs> short, weak, and unable to physically remove anyone on his own. I, I bet you that's Bob. I took the group as a compliment and would have been a, a fair fight in my heyday, but I am a broken man after a bad motorcycle accident, so those boys uh, went home with a good whooping that night. I don't that last line makes no fucking sense to me. That is like a fucking just nonlinear way to talk about how badass you were. But then There's, also saying, oh, yeah, what? A, he doesn't say what he's like. They went home with a good whooping. Yeah, yeah. right. No, yeah. Uh, that just made me think there's a subreddit called r slash. I am very badass. Um, oh, yeah. Where it's just people who are armchair quarterbacking different situations. Oh, yeah. if that was me, I'd have fucked that guy up. Oh, uh, I, yeah, sure, sure, I sure. bench press 900 pounds every hour and then i go and punch people in the head you know it's just like it's just that 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 whole thing that's what that ended up conflating it was just like nothing (laughs) but yeah sometimes people who show up to strip clubs not everybody because i (laughs) i I firmly believe that people who work at strip clubs or people who go to strip clubs are not all bad or shitty people yeah yeah there are plenty of great people who do this line of work however it does also attract the worst type of people the the people that are just animalistic in a way of like Mm -hmm. yes tits money here you go yeah i've never been to a strip club i've been once i'm sure that that shows through the story i told tonight i've never been to a strip club i've never had a desire to go to a strip club Um, yeah it's, it's just not my scene i don't know man i went i went once for my brother's bachelor party and it was okay honestly I didn't like get a dance or anything. Which brother, the married one or the single one? <laughs> <laughs> this fucking guy. Uh, but yeah, no, it was it was kind of a weird situation. I wouldn't say I would never go to a strip club ju- uh, again, just because depending on like who I'm with or other stuff. Sure, like yeah, that. like I said, it's not my scene, right? It's yeah, like, that well, doesn't mean I'm like never gonna go. It's just yeah. like I've never been in a situation where I'm like, oh yeah, let's do the strip club. Yeah, it, well, because most of the time, like, and I was just like super stoned, so I'm just kind of oh, looking. That's weird. Yeah, so I'm just looking around at the other people. Like, I'm not even looking at the strippers. I'm just looking at the people in the company that I'm with, and I'm just like, I don't like any of this you're like breathing manually because you're so high you're yeah like, you're, exactly. like, you're like inhale exhale inhale exhale <laughs> but yeah uh ladies and gentlemen that is the weird cigarette taste uh forehead kiss that puts our episode to bed uh ladies and gentlemen thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast uh if you could do us a huge favor and uh give us a follow on whatever you're listening to this on or in, uh, and leave us a review if you enjoyed the show or if you didn't Preferably five stars either way. Yeah, you can also check out our playlist uh, for this episode in the description of this episode. Uh, you can also uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter uh, uh, at Eardrunk. And if we messed anything up or if you'd like to uh, give a recommendation for an upcoming episode idea, you can email us at Eardrunk at gmail.com. Uh, lastly, I uh, just want to give a big shout out to J.W. Francis, who lets us use his song uh, Lo-Fi off the album We Share Similar Joy. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, off the album We Share a Similar Joy. Uh, it's a it's a dope song. He's a dope dude. Uh, definitely check out his uh, album Dreamhouse, his newest album, which is amazing. And I believe right now he's about to tour Europe. So uh, be on the lookout, you know. <laughs> and if you're a fan of the the show and you see him out there, just uh, mention it because I don't know if he remembers the conversation we had. But 
Either See, it's way, it's funny because you've had so much more communication with I've him had, than me. I've had two conversations with correct, him, correct, which he's is super nice. More more communication than I've had with him. I mean, yeah. I constantly ponder if he remembers our existence. Yeah, I, I wonder that myself sometimes. But. And real quick, I just want to say I know we're we're exiting the show right now, but Zach, you are wearing a J.W. Francis shirt right now. Yes, and it's dope. So uh, my amazing girlfriend Kate got me this uh, this dope T-shirt for Christmas, and uh, yeah, I'm loving it. I uh, <laughs> uh, just want to support the dude because uh, technically, whether he knows it or not, he's supporting us. So we just want to say thank you. Uh, I've been your host, Zach Webb. And I'm Vinny. And have a kick-ass day. Mm-hmm.